May you open our hearts and our minds, that you would speak to us a fresh word. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Have you ever heard the expression that with every end comes a new beginning? Have you? And did you know that that comes from the scriptures? How many of you knew that? I don't know if it is, but I want to explore with you why I think that it does. So we're going to start off by going to our first scripture. And if you have your Bible, I encourage you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27, verses 62 through 66. The next day, that is the day after preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said, while he was still alive, After three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people. He has risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go make it secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody calls Jesus an imposter, it kind of sits the wrong way with me. Would you agree? But an imposter is simply, or, or we see someone as an imposter when we don't believe what they say or who they say they are. An imposter is simply someone pretending to be somebody else. And so when these people call Jesus an imposter, what they were really saying is, we don't really believe he is who he said he was. Now, that's nothing new. Because if we think about it, probably there's someone in here this morning who maybe somebody invited you here this morning and, and they said, just come, just show up, you know, you might like it. But the truth is, maybe there's someone in here, even somebody who's been coming here, even if it's one of the church members that have been coming here for years, maybe you don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And one of the ways that we begin to see this is like, yeah, we believe in Jesus, but then you don't follow him. You don't walk behind him. You know, some of the reasons that we always keep Jesus as, as an imposter, and I think some of the reasons that people choose not to follow Jesus or give Jesus a try is because we think if we follow Jesus, then maybe our life is going to be boring. If we follow Jesus, then maybe I'm going to have to start giving up some stuff that I, I like doing now. That if we follow Jesus, it's too hard. A few weeks ago, my son, he says, I, I want to get baptized. And so we, I have this dialogue with him, and I said, okay, I'm going to study with you, and we're, and we're going to get through this, okay? But you have to study with me and no one else. <laughs> because I don't trust anybody else with the scriptures, and that's just the way I am. And our daughter got baptized about two years ago now, a year ago. And it was this constant conversation in our house. When you get baptized, is everything going to change? And what I told her is that you're going to get baptized, and then you're going to feel the same exact way when you come out of the water. There may be an emotional high that comes with it. Life is going to go back to normal on Monday morning when you go to school. And there is this idea that to follow Jesus, it's a painful, horrible, boring life that, you know, I don't want to live that life. But the truth is, is that for Jesus, it's not about living a boring 
life. After all, this is the man who dies and is resurrected. That the impossible happens, and if it happens for this man, Jesus, our Savior, then God will certainly work impossible and amazing things into your life. See, the truth is to follow Jesus is not a boring, horrible life of, of not being able to do anything. It's about that now God has given you the freedom to do the very best of everything, that we were destined for more than just to be sinners, that we were destined for more to live in pain and in sorrow, that we were destined for more than to be captive to the devil. The other day I was talking to a young man, younger than me, <laughs> younger than me, and we were sitting, and he was arguing with me that the devil has all this power, and that the devil does this, and that the devil does that. And I said, I don't care what the devil does. I want to talk about what God does. I don't care about the devil because I'm on the team that wins in the end. I'm on the team of the guy who's stronger than the devil. And I think as Seventh-day Adventists today, we have to reclaim the prominence and the superiority of God in this world. I'm not afraid of the devil. I'm just afraid of being outside of a relationship with God. Now, you might be saying, that's because you're the pastor and that's your job, but it's more than that. I dedicated my life to this. I dedicated to making a little bit of money for the rest of my life. I've dedicated my life to living on a budget by following Jesus. Hardly. The reality is, I've never felt freer or better. You see, some of you are still thinking that Jesus isn't who he says he is, or even if he, if he is who he said he was, he's still not the person that we want to follow. I'd, I'd rather have this other way of life because this is better. So I want to just show you a few statements about who Jesus said that he was. So if we look at John chapter 6, verses 35 through 40. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. And so we look at some of the key words, and Jesus says, I am the bread. I am the bread. Now, on the one hand, we understand that for us to live, we need bread or some sort of food. Is that right? And we need some sort of water to keep us alive. Is that correct? If you don't drink enough water, you get dehydrated. If you go long enough without drinking water, you might even die. If you go long enough without eating food, you will die. Jesus takes something that we do every single day. Some of us do it more than others, but every time we eat, we should be reminded that although we have this in front of us, the blessing that we should pray is not just to bless this food, but a prayer of thanksgiving that God is our sustainer. The first statement we're looking at this morning is Jesus is saying, I am the one who will sustain you. And if you come to me, you will not hunger for that inner hunger. Jesus is not talking about being hungry after not eating all morning. Jesus is saying that each and every one of us, we were built with, it, with a sense of eternity in our hearts. 
we were built with, a, with, with the sense of we need this connection with God. And Jesus says, if you trust me, if you come to me, you will never be hungry. That existential thirst will be gone. And so we look at another saying of Jesus. And this one is also found in the book of John, chapter 14. And Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. For now, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Okay? You see, we're always talking about how Jesus is invisible and how we can't see Jesus face to face. But what the scriptures show us and what Jesus is clearly saying is not just that he's going to take this hunger away, but that if we know him and trust him, we also know the Father. And again, he says this, if you have seen the Son, you have seen God, which is why I have committed my life to preaching the gospel, which is why I have dedicated my life to serve God by continually saying that Jesus is Lord and He is the Savior of the people, that through Jesus, you now have the opportunity to connect directly to God. You know, I think that sometimes, though, we take the Bible for granted. I think we take church for granted. I think we take our life for granted, and we give lip service to the fact that God is God and that Jesus has given us salvation. But we, we, we relegate it to just a mental exercise. And my job is to encourage you and to move you to say it's not just about what I believe in my mind or in my heart, but it's about how I take these beliefs and live them out in my life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He was setting his disciples up to the understanding that he is the one that would bridge humanity back to God. Jesus was getting us ready. It was a, what's the word that I'm looking for? He was foreshadowing that he was the only one that could die and give his life for us. Let's look at another statement. Let's go quickly. John 11, and Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? These are some pretty strong statements. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. Another way of understanding this is that Jesus is the only one that can give life even after you have died. And the scripture and Jesus will say, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live again. And in this life we know that the cycle of life is that you're born, you grow up, you go through a midlife crisis, some of us quarter-life crisis, and then eventually you breathe your last breath. And that's the life that we live in. That's it. But the power of God is that when Jesus returns, He will breathe new life into you, and He will bring in the great resurrection. If God does it for one, God will do it for all of us. 
If God has the power to give Jesus life and resurrect him, God will also resurrect you in the last day. If you are one of the people who breathes their last breath, or if you've lost somebody close to you, have no fear, for there is hope in Jesus Christ. A lot of people will say that they don't believe that Jesus was resurrected. These are biblical scholars will even say that we do not believe that Jesus was resurrected because it is impossible. And kind of it is. I don't have the power to resurrect. But that's the kind of God that we believe in who always does the impossible. How many of you have ever come to the end of your rope is what it feels like. How many of you have ever come to just such a dark and horrible place in your life and you can't see beyond the day? How many of you have ever experienced just this emptiness? Maybe you've experienced the end of a relationship, the end of a job. Maybe you've experienced the, the, the separation of a really strong um, relationship with a mother or a father or a son or a daughter. I mean, how many have you, have you ever experienced just something so painful? But then when you move on from that, there is resurrection, where though it was dark, now there is light. On Friday, everybody thought that was the end of Jesus, but they didn't know that Sunday was coming. The very disciples that followed Jesus day in and day out, even those guys had lost faith. Even those guys, when Jesus presents themselves on the way to to um, to Aramaeus, to, on the road to Emmaus, even when Jesus presents himself to these two disciples on the way, they still don't recognize him because they had given up hope. And sometimes that happens in our life. We know we're supposed to believe in Jesus and we know that he is our Savior, but sometimes we stop believing in him. Sometimes we stop believing that through Jesus we can fulfill our purpose in this world. You know, these are the sayings of Jesus. And there's one more saying that I want to look at. And it's John 10.10. 10, and it says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, remember, we say that this abundant life isn't about you being rich and living a plush life and having a reality TV show where you have a ton, you know, big stuff. That's not what this is about. Remember, Jesus would say that if you follow me, he says, we have nowhere to lay our head. <laughs> You're in for an adventure when you follow Jesus. Because when you follow Jesus, you stop making every decision for yourself, and you come to Jesus, and you allow Jesus to make that decision for you. We see that picture of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where he asks his father, if this can pass from me, let this pass. But then Jesus says, but not my will, may it be your will. You know, some of you, if you haven't followed or haven't given Jesus a chance, you can't know if these statements are true. You see, the only way for you to know if these statements are true is to give Jesus a chance. Is that true? The only way you can know if someone is who they say they are, you have to give them a chance. Now, when I first met Kim, I was pretty honest. Yeah? I try to be honest. <laughs> but I, whatever I was saying about who I said I was, she had to give me a chance 
to see if it was true or not. You see, we do this in human relationships all the time. And I think that it's time that we do this with our relationship to Jesus. I guarantee you, if Jesus says it, it's true. And you don't have to fear or hold back. Because after all, this isn't new. At creation, when Jesus, or at creation, when God creates, he looks at everything and he says it was good. And at the end, when he finishes creating everything, God looks at what he has done and he says, it is very good. Have you ever been in a kind of a funk in your life where things just aren't clicking the way you know they're supposed to, where things aren't going the way they're supposed to, where maybe your relationship with your wife or husband aren't going the way they're supposed to? Have you ever reached a point in your life where you just know within your heart that there is more to life than this? That there is something more that God wants for you? It's because from the very beginning, when God creates this world, He creates it very good. And when you're not experiencing life when it's very good, we get in this funk and we get out of sync with the way God wants things to be. Even in the book of Ecclesiastes, the wisest man ever to have lived, okay, Solomon, he says, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live, which is us. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in his toil. This is God's gift to man. And when it says toil, understand that it is good for you to do good all the time, and to enjoy this life that God has given you because this is a gift. Now, I am of the belief that the only way to really experience this good life that God has for us is when you are connected to Jesus. The only way for you to really experience this good life, according to the Scriptures, is to live it always, daily, continually connecting to Jesus. Now, obviously, life is different than it was in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, there was no pain. There was no suffering. There was no mourning. There was no death. And the story tells us that when Adam and Eve had eaten of the wrong tree, God escorts them to the east of the garden. And so we could say, as John Steinbeck says, we live east of Eden which is a symbolic representation that we are living outside of the way God always wanted things to be. And you know it, and I know it, because we feel it in our lives every single day. As good as we try to be, as good as we try to make every single day to be, we know that there is always something that is out of sync with the way God wants things to be. And so, if you feel like perhaps you are living out of sync with the way God wants things to be, if you are living outside of the harmony that God creates, if you are living a life that you know is at least somehow far away from God or even just a step away, I want to just share with you a list of seven things for you to see and understand. To follow Jesus, you have to acknowledge that something is missing. We are God's created people. God makes us to love us. And I know that doesn't make any sense. makes absolutely no sense to us. But God was so overfilled with love and with joy 
that God creates humanity to love. And so we go to number two. Acknowledge that God's plan for the way things should have been from the beginning at Eden are no longer the way things are. Is that true? Have you felt that? Acknowledge that there is something horribly out of sync with the, with the way God wants things to be. If you don't acknowledge some of this stuff, then you're not going to see the need for Jesus. The penalty of sin was supposed to be death. Guilt was yours, and you had to make it right. You committed the crime, and now you have to pay the consequence of that crime. Plain and simple. Notice I put it in the past tense. But, and here's a really big but, Jesus takes on this death for you. He dies in your place and is resurrected. And he is the only one that could do that. And if you accept Jesus as the only one that can do this, if you believe in him, if you confess that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, salvation is yours. Amen? Wow. I would hope that you guys would just say amen for those of you who are the old and faithful. (laughs) This should be good news. This should cause celebration like when the Lakers win because they they lost often this season. This should be cause for celebration because he is risen and the tomb is empty and he can give you more than anyone else can ever give you. There is a one text that we see everywhere, even at sporting events, which I always think is funny, but who cares as long as the gospel is being preached, right? But you always see this John 3.16 everywhere. You know, and I, I used to have a problem with that. I say, no one cares about that at sporting events, but now I'm like, you know what? Let it preach it. And when some of these athletes and they, they get their chain and they do this with it, I used to be like, that's dumb. God doesn't care, but maybe God does care. Maybe not about the stats, maybe not about the home runs, but God cares about that guy. If he cares about you, he cares about them. Salvation is for anyone and everyone who wants it. Salvation is for you, not just for a future life, but because God wants to do impossible things in your life now. Now, I'm not saying you're going to get rich, and I'm not saying that you're never going to cry again or that you're not going to lose people you love. All I'm saying is that God, if you follow Jesus, if you entrust your life to Jesus, his will will be done in your life. And these statements that we write about him today, you will say, oh, yeah, I guess that's true after all. I guess that is true. And for those of you who have entrusted your life to Jesus, it doesn't end there. That's the first step. Accepting it is the very first step. God is calling us to something that is so much more than that. And if you come next week, we're going to talk about what Jesus is calling us to do in this world now while we wait. It's not about sitting back and waiting. It's about actively, proactively being people who are moving in this world for Jesus. Now at this moment, If you're one of those people who you've just kind of given up hope on Jesus, or maybe you're just somebody who's here because you came because your mom or your dad or somebody wanted you to come because they said, you know, just come once. 
if you're one of those people that you just want to open your heart up to Jesus this morning because you know that there is something out of sync with your life, I want to share a, a special prayer for you. And if you're one of these people, I want you to come and tell me, I'm one of those people after church because I want to make sure that I connect with you and that I have the elders praying for you. We have elders that pray in this church. Amen? They care about all of you. These are some serious men. And so we want to make sure that if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to connect to Jesus, just tell me. Just say, I'm one of those people, and we'll get your name and your number, and we'll work with you. We'll walk alongside you so that you can have this relationship with Jesus because it's the most valuable relationship you can ever invest in. So I want to pray a special prayer for you now. So if you'll all just bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we, um, this morning your spirit is working on someone in this room. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit, that you would give them a double portion of your spirit. That as they are making this decision for you this moment, right now, that you would keep them safe from the evil one. That you would keep this decision, that, they would, that you would help it to flourish in their lives. That whatever they are walking away from, Lord, that whatever they are leaving in their past, God, that you would give them a bright future. I pray this for each and every one of us, Lord, who need to rededicate ourselves to you. We know the sin in our life, and we know the destructive tendencies that we have, and God, we need your power to overcome them. And so, God, now, we kneel before you and we open our hearts to you. May you form us and shape us into the new creation that you want us to be. May your power and may your renown be seen in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray.